All right, Live BP podcast, an offshoot of the Live BP baseball show, Steve. I know. And last been, time we did this, a minute. Tanner Houck, by the way. Tanner Houck, remember? We talked about t-shirts. Caught, like, wildfire. It's crazy to me because I was thinking about that show we did uh, with Houck when he was out there dealing in Tampa. And I was like, it feels like we did that about five years ago, uh, six maybe. Like, that felt like ages ago. But I did it back. from my car. I did it my in my car. Why uh, inflicted by COVID? So yeah, uh, yes. exactly. And you you even led with that. You're like, I'm pretty sure I'm fine, but maybe I'm not. And here we go. Tanner Houck is joining us. But yeah. obviously, these aren't the uh, the circumstances we would we would like to be doing a show. But felt right that we would do a podcast after uh, the unfortunate passing of Jerry Rim. Yeah, this is this is uh, the reason why we're doing this. As you point out so eloquently, Steve. There is a reason why we're doing this when we had to do this one. It was because of our good friend, Jerry Remy, um, who was obviously such uh, an important part of, of so many things. And I wrote about this yesterday about how, you know, you sit down and you reflect on it. Really, for me, it was about this, this guy helped me launch my like, love of baseball. He did because I wore number two as a little leaguer. And you know as well as I do. Like that's a big deal for little leaguers, right? Oh, it's a huge what, deal. What was your were you Nomar guy? I was what? five. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's the most obvious thing. But a lot of times it had to do with the size of the jersey. And so I was a, a little kid in little league and then a big kid in little league. And so depending on your size, that then be, became the number. But any chance you got to be number five, I would I would take that, of course. Did I tell you this, that uh, I wore number five when I went up to play baseball at prep school and then went played it in college? And it was because of this, this is going to blow your mind, Brady Anderson. Really? Brady, Brady Anderson wore number five for the Red, in his like month with the Red Sox, and I love the way he played. Okay. <laughs> that's surprising. I did not yeah, know that. That's a great trivia question. Anyway, so Jerry Remy um, meant a lot to a lot of people. And I know from you, you and I have different perspectives of it, which is great. And this mm-hmm. is one of the takeaways, Steve, that, you know, in the last couple of days since the news came down, there were so many layers to how Remy impacted people. You know, I, I just noted Little League and, you know, I'll go for it from there. But you come at it from a different perspective you know, a million other people come up from their perspective. But from you, if you were going to sit down and write that column, what would you say? My biggest takeaway the last, uh, you know, day or so here are the amount of lives that Jerry impacted. And he probably, Remy, like I never knew him personally. And I think that's important. I think it's important for people to decipher that he meant so much to them, even when we didn't even really know him, like really, truly know him. There were a handful of people, I would consider you one of them, uh, TC, Orsillo, uh, Dave O'Brien, Sean McDonough. You kind of go down the list. A lot of people at Nesson, you know, in the production room that work with them constantly and a lot of off the air stuff uh, that you're dealing with, with with Remy. They knew him way better than a lot of us did, but he still impacted us at a high level to the point where it felt like you kind of lost a family member yesterday. Like it, it really felt like you lost someone that's been in your life uh, for a long time. And and a, a lot of people have touched up on this and, and there's so many different elements of Remy that we'll get into, but it's, it really means something to quote unquote, invite someone into your house for that many hours for that long of a season times, whatever, how many seasons he's been, been doing this since 88, I believe that matters. Like when you're, when you're committing that much time to somebody, even if it's just a broadcaster, 
that's they're a part of your life. They're as big a part of your life as a lot of other people. I feel like I knew Don and Jerry better than some of my own family members. Just listen to them call the game. So the impact he had was vast. And that's probably my biggest takeaway today is that even if you didn't know him personally, you felt like you did because of how many hours uh, he spent inside inside your house. But from your perspective specifically, how often did you interact with Jerry? He wasn't someone that necessarily wanted to interact with a lot of people. And I respect that. I told, I texted Will Fleming this yesterday. I said, I'm going to run to an elevator as a, an homage to Jerry Remy. <laughs> get out of Fenway as fast as possible. Yeah, so when, when I first really started to get to know Jerry after the clubhouse, you know, seeing him in the clubhouse a little bit, it was really, you know, you see him around a little bit more. Then I did stuff for Nesson, and I don't know how much interaction you had. I'm anxious to hear about when you were none at all with Nesson. No, no, it, with Jerry at Nesson. Yeah, no, but no, but you you go though. I, I definitely no, have well, some Nesson was, stuff. You know, so I went from doing stuff at Comcast to Nesson, and that's when you know you go in the booth because you have to do pregame hits, and you start to get to know him a little bit more. So that was uh, really, I think that probably in hindsight, the biggest thing. And then you know I filled in some games, and you would talk about that. But you know, I I said this before, like I have so many great memories about Jerry, about just interactions with him about, you know, he, we had become a, a, a good relationship where to the point where you sort of like when he saw him, you know, he would smile. And if you got a smile from Jerry, you sort of like, Oh man, it meant something, you know, it, it legitimately meant something, you know, how media is like, Hey, yeah, good to see you. Good to see you. No, it meant something. And, you know, this moments where, you know, I remember going to, on the flight to Japan in 2008. I didn't know him very well, but at the front of the – all the media was in the top deck of this airplane. They hand out pajamas. No one's put it on the pajamas. <laughs> the guy at the front, which is Jerry Remy, I'm still of, of that ilk of, you know, I'm at the Boston Herald. You know, I haven't covered the Red Sox really full time for a long time. And here I am on the plane and Jerry Remy's dancing in pajamas at like why flying over the Arctic circle. So, I mean, that's, but that was sort of like, he liked to have a good time, Steve, like, like just like you had said, like you want, you, you interact or you feel like you invite someone into their, your living room so many times, but you got to want the person to be in your living room. You notice it in broadcast when the guy's not there, when Jerry wasn't there this year, it felt different. The broadcast felt different. It almost felt incomplete. So when you invite someone like that into your home, you constantly are listening to them break the game down, talk the Red Sox. And he always knew kind of when to interject. He always knew like, okay, I'm going to give this this piece of breakdown here. This can just be kind of a joke. We can do a little side note thing here. I mean, Jerry's sweet spot was always with Don. And everything that that Don and Jerry did, at least for me growing up as a Red Sox fan, like I don't feel like I feel as connected to the Red Sox as I do now without Don and Jerry, just in terms of how they made you feel like you were part of the whole equation. You, the fan watching at home, like the the things that always made me laugh were I remember Sox appeal when they used to (laughs) when they used to film that at Fenway Park. And it was perfect. To have that being filmed during a game and have Don and Jerry calling the game because the, the broadcast would pan over to it's normally some Boston guy that looks like, you know, kind of a bum. And he's with whatever girl 
and they would do play by play of how they think the date was going. And they're like, oh, look, oh, look at this. Look, he leaned in a little bit. Oh, we're going to get a kiss here. What are we going to get? And like, and the two, two. And you just go right back into calling the game. And I'm like, this is hilarious. And you could tell, you could genuinely tell, like you said, when Jerry thought something was actually funny or if he was just kind of going along with it. Like mm-hmm. with Don, it felt like he was always it was always real. Like it was like, he was always going along with it. And obviously he had good, good moments with Dave O'Brien too. I feel like Dave got more of, you know, the end of Jerry's career got got more of the, the, the final years where Jerry was really at his best in like the early thousands and, and even that, that following decade there. But with Don, I mean, I, I just feel like he brought the best out of him and endless moments. I mean, the, here comes the pizza. We did some investigative reporting on who uh, and what was thrown at that gentleman. And that gentleman has been ejected, but it was an ugly, ugly sight. And I don't know why it was necessary. Now watch. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today. But here comes a pizza. See it? (laughs) Oh, jeez. Highly unnecessary. That with the Patriots jacket. And, of course, he's been asked to leave the ball game for ruining a good piece of pizza. (laughs) 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 Get beer all over and here comes <laughs> some pizza. One more look in slow motion if we can. And here's the Patriot. Here it comes. This, I'm going to throw my pizza. That is not tolerated in this ballpark. He has been ejected and never again allowed to buy pizza. Ooh. Oh, there it is. There it is. Everyone so obviously remembers Well, okay, that so it. is that if you had to rank them, and I know people are doing this, and yeah. Orsillo came out uh, on Twitter and said the, the, the pulling of the tooth was his number one. Yep. Yep, the tooth um, one's up there. Yeah, yeah, so would the pizza for you, because you were at Nesson at that time, right? No, I wasn't there yet. Uh, that was, I think, a little bit before. My, I think actually it was a good amount before. I think that was in 07, okay. if I'm not mistaken. Because uh, in in your defense, I thought it was more recent, too. I remember seeing the the original video was posted in 2007, which is like, that was way further back than oh, I thought. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it was, I mean, the, the here comes the pizza's way up there. Uh, Jerry getting a tooth removed, I believe, in in the booth. I think that's what, when you allude to the tooth thing, I think that's what was going on. Uh, There was a certain grab in the bleachers uh, where that was the funny. It's just so funny to watch because they can't talk. They literally are laughing so hard. And it's that internal laugh where they're like, oh, my God, did we just see what we thought we saw in the bleachers? And they both confirmed they did. And so Andrew Miller's on the mound and he's p- pitching to Mark Kakis and there's just no words. It's just all you just hear in the background. Is- <laughs> There's a couple of happy couples there, aren't they? Enjoying a summer night at Fenway Park. Whoops. Nick Mark Strike to Mark Gagas Jones, then Guerrero. Late swing fouled off. I think it's time to go down to Ivy. <laughs> this, this used to be a family show. <laughs> it's a family program. The funny thing was is that there was um, uh, a guy who worked at Comcast at the time who was one of the four people in that group. And so he was saying, <laughs> you look at his face, he's like, 
like, ah, uh, I don't, he knew, like, being in the industry, Steve, he knew exactly where that was going to go. Yeah, he, he was well aware what was oh, going on. Goodness, there. But, but, I mean, there's the endless, endless moments. I mean, my favorite, and this isn't like a specific moment, but anytime Don and Jerry were calling a West Coast game, it was like a stand-up comedy routine from innings four to nine. Like, they they knew, and it's so funny to me that they treated those games differently, but they very specifically, when they were in Seattle or Anaheim, or anywhere out west, even San Diego, they didn't play the Padres that much. That broadcast was going to be a little lighter. That was going to be a loosen the tie broadcast because they knew it's a later crowd uh, <laughs> back east and you can get away with some more stuff. And they would just kind of loosen it up. And, and it was like a stand-up comedy routine. That that always made me laugh. And uh, yeah, I mean, that kind of stuff can't be replaced. Like those are the things that looking back on, and, and I saw Rochi had a really good thing with... Um, a piece he did was he talked with Sean McDonough mm. or Cillo and Dave O'Brien. And, and it was really good. I watched that before we, we hopped on here and you could just tell in listening to, you know, McDonough or Cillo O'Brien that Jerry was just different. Working with Jerry was different. Like the, the way they talked about it, it's like, this wasn't having, you know, anybody in the booth. This was someone you could rely upon. that was going to be great. And, and McDonough had a, a quote in there. And I'll play some of the, I, I think it's good audio to have in here. I'll play some of the audio of, of what Jerry meant to them because they obviously knew him way better than, than I did. Um, but he had a line in there specifically where he was like, when you showed up to the booth, you knew it was going to be fun and it had a chance to be something special. And that's because it was with Jerry. It wasn't just because the Red Sox were playing. It was because the person you were working with. And that kind of came across in the, in the broadcast. Nothing better than the nine years with Jerry. You know, it's an awesome thing, as you know, Dan, when you go to work and you know when you get there, you're going to be a part of something good because the guy sitting next to you is great. You know, every night I uh, showed up at Fenway or on the road, I knew, you know, this has a chance to be a special broadcast tonight because this guy sitting next to me is special. It's one of those things that I think maybe all of us knew was coming, but it still hurts. Just your thoughts on losing your longtime broadcast partner, Jerry Remy. Yeah, I'm not sure my arms are completely around it yet. Um, you know, I, I've known for the better part of a week that uh, this was possible, um, but I, I just, I, I'm not sure that it's really hit me yet. Uh, it's a lifetime of memories, um, a great deal of thankfulness uh, for everything that he meant to me. Uh, he was more than a friend. Uh, he was the very reason that I got to the major leagues. Um, he then taught me how to be a major league broadcaster when I got there and then um, really how to be an adult. Um, I, I got to the majors at a relatively young age and he was um, a family member to me. And uh, we went through so much together, um, not only during broadcasting times, but off the field both of us. Um, Jerry had a series of things happen in the course of his life that we went through together um, and lived through it all uh, in the 15 years that we were broadcast partners. And um, I am so glad that he was in my life. Um, I am so glad that I, I was able to be there with him for those hard times. Um, I think we helped each other in the end. Um, and I really feel like looking back on it now, uh, that he was supposed to be in my life for a very big reason. And I'm so thankful for him and, uh, to this day. And I, I really, honestly, 
thought he was going to beat this just because he had so many times, you know, he's the, the strongest person I know. Uh, it was six, seven times um, that he beat it. And it just gave me no reason to think that he wasn't going to beat it again. Um, but this time he didn't. An icon and uh, a friend to every Red Sox fan in New England for decades. But, you know, Rochi, my first reaction was we knew this was coming. Um, there were a number of us who knew that it was close. And I think everybody who was at Fenway the night of the wild card game, the win over the Yankees and saw him, you know, I think understood that his time was coming. And by the way, what a way to go out. I mean, if Jerry would not have written, this is the way I go out because he didn't want to go anywhere. But if he had to, it would have been just like that uh, at Fenway, absolutely packed, huge game, playoff game, and beating the Yankees. How much enjoyment he brought so many people. I mean, if you, if you add it up, you know, the collective hours that each of us had individually that we enjoyed watching him and added it all together, it's, you know, almost impossible to fathom how much joy he brought to Red Sox Nation. And uh, we were blessed to have him. Another thing is we, we, we have been deluged by all these fun clips and all these, these memorable moments. And it's also a reminder what Orsello told me once, and I might have told you this story before, when I, I was filling in, with um for Jerry one time with Don, which was like unbelievable honor. I mean, talk about. I remember, by the way. So, uh, what was it? What was the Spanish saying he would always say at the beginning of oh, broadcast? Buenas noches, amigos. Yeah. Buenas noches, yeah. So, the first time I did it with Don in Tampa, they like, okay, this is where you say Buenas noches, uh, whatever, and. And so I did it's it. It's just amigos. You're acting yeah, okay. like it's like this yeah. long paragraph. I can't get it's three far. words. I, I can't possibly get this. Un, uh, uh, unthinkable. <laughs> I know. But so I did it. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, Jerry, like got to somebody said, don't have to do that. Don't because have the next that. time they're like, no, you don't have to do that. No. <laughs> but so, so anyway, I, I remember those games. And I actually want to ask Nesson to see if we can find it just for my own satisfaction is, we, I got into one of these laughing fits with Don, which is, you know, which is like, that's what we're talking about with Jerry. How many of those can we say that was, oh my goodness, this was so fun. And to be in the middle of it, there's, it was part fun, but part panic. Cause I'm, and I, so I go up to Orsillo the next day, of course, by the pool of the Vinoy where he's tanning. And I say, sorry, Don, man. Like I, because I, a producer had said, okay, guys, reel it in. I'm like, sorry. He's like, nobody's going to remember anything about that broadcast except that. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, you're right. And I think that we should all remember that. We should all yeah. remember there should be some of that, almost not laughing fits, but some of that in every broadcast. And that's what Jerry reminded us so many times. I mean, let's be real. And you'd be the first to know it. The ultimate utility man, Rob Bradford, doing TV broadcasts, radio broadcasts. You're probably doing broadcasts I don't even know about. Poorly. I no, very good, very adequate. That's that's very, what they always say. Again, available for mediocrity. <laughs> Extremely decent. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean it's you're you're in the booth for those moments, and let's let's be honest. When you're watching the Red Sox, you're watching the Red Sox. You're not necessarily tuning in to see how a double is described. You're watching the double, and I think with radio, a lot of times you need the voice because you're not watching the game. You're not watching the game. So that's why, like, the, the moments that, that Jerry provided in the booth mattered so much because, to your point, 
It was that added entertainment that wasn't just the game. It was it was more than the game because you notice it too. And I got more into this uh, about the last five years. I've gotten more into watching out of town broadcasts, and you notice the difference. You notice the difference in the broadcast. It's mm-hmm. not the same, and obviously, it's never going to be the same when it's not your team involved. But there's just a different level of like, and the three two, and it's just it's so like you can loo- like loosen up. Loosen up. Take the you, know what's ama- you know what's amazing? And I've always said this. I keep saying it. It's like you can have fun and you can get the information in. What's amazing, I was looking, watching that uh, tooth pulling episode. It's hilarious. And Orsillo's getting the pitches in. Like in the, in the middle of like commenting how he's getting the pliers out and, and pulling out his tooth or whatever. Like he's getting the pitches in and you can still do it. It's okay. Just like you just said, episode. It felt like they were a TV show while the game was going on. And I I think that's what I love the most is that when you would tune into the Red Sox, you would also get the Don and Jerry show with the Red Sox. Like it was this little combo deal that was great. And it felt like bonus TV. It felt like it should be on some like premium channel, like Nesson plus or something, whatever. It felt like it was supposed to be added on top of the actual broadcast. So uh, that's something I'll always miss. And and you mentioned the Nesson days. My interactions with Jerry were none. And that's exactly how he would have wanted it. He he wouldn't have wanted to interact with people at Nesson. He barely wanted to interact with people that were in the booth, that were literally in the booth at Fenway Park. Why would he want to go to Watertown and be like, everyone, listen up. This is what happened at the old ball game when I was calling it. I respect the hell out of authenticity. And that's what Jerry was. Jerry wanted to go to Fenway Park to call the Red Sox games, mix in his commentary, have fun, and get the hell home. And... That's what he did. And it's like, I, there's some, there's a level of respect that you have to give to that where, you know, I I don't want to say like, it it felt like there was a real, like kind of struggle with fame with Jerry with, with being acknowledged and recognized in public. And I feel like he never liked that, at least based off of what Orsillo would say. It gave Don Orsillo great joy when he would talk about Jerry in the lobby of these hotels. And he'd (laughs) be like, you get up so early just to sit in the lobby of a hotel and do literally nothing. Just sit there. I love that. Oh, and, and the bizarre thing is because people might forget, you know, that when the Remdog book came out and things like that, when that stuff really got rolling and it, you have all these famous former Red Sox players, but Remy was sort of at the top of the heat because of all that, because not only was he a former player and everyone loves the former players, but also because he was so much more and, and that persona and, and he leaned into that part of it. And he was, like I said, he was very nice sitting in those hotel lobbies when people came up, but you could tell it was the last place in the world he wanted to be. He yeah. wanted to be in the hotel lobby, but with nobody else around. But there's, there's a specific thing about getting recognized. And I'm, I'm sure you've gotten recognized. I've gotten recognized. You get recognized in public and it's, it's a weird feeling. It's a very weird feeling. And I'm sure for Jerry Remy, it's that times a million where not that he would forget. I'm not guessing that he would forget that he's like a big deal, but he did his job because he loved it. It's not like he called the Red Sox games to be acknowledged. Like he didn't like call the game so that people would be like, yo, great work. He did it because he loved doing it. Um, and and you, know, you know, another thing is, Steve, and, and you you probably get some of this too, is that People are very nice and they're very respectful, but they come up and they realize, hey, you know what? I got to say something. 
So mm. they say to Jerry, how about those Red Sox? What do you think? And the yeah. last thing in the world he wants to do is say, "What do I, well, here's what I think. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, but you I almost want to not this. talk about the Red Sox in those moments. You'd rather talk about, like, you know, the no. best coffee place around there. Yeah, yeah. I would have asked those people about, you know, or, hey, were you the kid in the bleachers pouring beer on your face? You know, <laughs> yeah. so, but, you know, he, you know, it, uh, we get jaded in this business and, and you know, all of this, I see all these people who, you know, were, if, you know, little Robbie Bradford in Essex, Mass., <laughs> if you told me that I would be mingling among them, I'd be like, oh, my goodness. Like, but now it's sort of, it's just business. Everything's business. But Jerry did supply me with a moment, which like, it will never, it will never be jaded. It will never be, um, dist- uh, it will be never be devalued at all, even as in my business. And that was when we were in Kansas city and, uh, I was playing radio broadcaster. The joke stig was off. So it was me and Dave O'Brien. And Orsillo and Remy were also there. And Jerry had a buddy, and I wish I could remember his name. He's an unbelievably nice guy who had just become like a billionaire or something through something. But he had basically flown uh, one road trip, multi-city road trip a year. He would fly Jerry around instead of ta- him taking the team plane. And so they were. that was in Kansas City. So they were heading back. And because I was part of the radio broadcast, Jerry was like, you want to go with us? I'm like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> I've never been on a private jet. Like, oh, yeah, like, are you kidding me? It's great. <laughs> but what? And the private jet was cool. And I don't know if you've ever been on one. But once no. you do it, all you can think about is, like, how do I make enough money to be on a private jet? <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah. And so, but that was only part of it. The other part was, you know, Orsillo was there. Dave O'Brien was there. And that was basically it. But Jerry, I... I started talking to Jerry about the teams that I grew up on, like with the late 70s, early 80s, Jerry Remy teams. And so here I am sitting on a private jet, and Remy is just totally engaged in this. This isn't like, you know, like, don't ask me any more questions. He is totally engaged in this. And I'm like, this is awesome. This is mm-hmm. like, this is, I won a contest here. I won yeah. some crazy contest. And I, that was a moment I will never forget and, and always kind of cherish. And I and, and I have one person to thank for it. It's Jerry Rem. Yeah, I mean, one thing with with Rem Dog is that I feel like he was universally liked. It's really hard, especially now. Everybody hates everybody. Like we all we all got rivals, and everyone's like, "Oh, that guy's actually not really that good." And let me tell you why he's not really that good. Okay, sounds sounds great. But with Rem Dog. It, if someone said they didn't like Jerry Remy, you'd be like, wait, what? What are you talking about? Like, it, it would, you'd actually, like, stick your head up, like, what, what do you mean you don't like Remy? That's weird. Like, that's hard to get to. That's a very hard level to get to. That's a hard, like, goal to, like, achieve. Like, you know, unlocks this level. Like, that's very hard to get to that point. And Jerry did a great job of doing it. I think from from my perspective, you know, you said you picked number two because of Rem Dog. Like, you got to see him play and... And it's just impressive. Like, it really can't be overstated how impressive it is that you can be known for something completely other than your major league baseball career. Like, that's for you to accomplish something very well or at a very high level that's not playing in the major leagues. And you're like the same guy that played in the majors. And then you also did something else that was at that level. That's incredible. Like, I've only known him as the broadcaster guy. I never went there. And by the way, doing it in a way. Which was like there wasn't aspirations to become a national guy because exactly. you know you know why because it would have never worked. It, no, <laughs> no. I mean because it was like 
he was the guy. It was the same reason like we like Eck. It's the same reason why we like Tommy Heinsohn. It's the same reason like we like these guys. Because he's the guy who's sitting in the living room, who's making this snarky comments, who actually might be adding something to the conversation. Like and, and that grew and by the way, who grew up in Massachusetts. I know. Like, it works. But that's why it felt so authentic. It's like this guy's one of us. And you don't always get that. Sometimes you'll get an announcer from out of town. Or you get some color guy that they, you know, brought in to do it. Like you needed the local guy for people to know, like, no, Rem Dog, Rem Dog knows us. He knows the socks. He gets it. Like that's that's what Jerry always was. And I mean, it's you know, I I, I get to one thing I wanted to touch up on, which was uh, such a special moment. And uh, you know, you and I were in the at the park for this, but you know, the the wild card game uh, mm. against the Yankees, where he comes out. And I think uh, Mutt had mentioned to us when we were doing a little pregame action that Jerry was going to throw out the first pitch. And you knew right then and there that was going to be a special moment. That was going to be a specifically I will remember this kind of moment because and sadly, you know, anyone and I I don't know what you had known at that point, but anyone I talked to that was at Nesson, um, you know, didn't they 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 weren't they weren't overly confident that it was going well for Jerry. And when you weren't getting a lot of updates, you kind of knew things were were probably going poorly and when he came out there, it was just such a special moment. Like, that's such a cool thing. You don't really get that too often. Like, you don't you don't get a, a live moment that you know you're going to remember and you know is, like, significant and carries a lot of weight. A lot of times you realize it afterwards. But him throwing that ball to Eck, uh, wild card game, Red Sox go on to beat the Yankees, that was just special. That was a cool thing that mattered. And I'm super glad he, you know, he got to do that. I genuinely didn't think that we were going to lose Jerry on October 30th after considering he's out there throwing the first pitch. I didn't think it was this bad, but I am thankful that, that we got that moment. Yeah. And because you think about it, what, what date was that? That had to have been, would have been the fifth, oh, the fifth, the fifth October yep. 5th. And yeah. so, you know, October 5th and here you are October 30th. It's you're right. I mean, if someone, if, if it's going to go that quick, usually you don't have the opportunity to have that farewell. And yeah. why we didn't know it was going to be a farewell, it was, you know, to ha- at least have that. And mm-hmm. and you could see, you know, obviously, Steve, the outpouring of memories and and support and everything since his passing has been incredible. But even then, like October 5th, October 5th, like this wasn't anybody just throwing out the first pitch. This was a big deal. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it, it felt like it. It felt like it. And I hate to say it, like anyone else that they had after that throw out the first pitch, it, it didn't wasn't anywhere near the same. I mean, you have Papelbon running out there, which was cool. Um, Wake out there, Louis Tiant. But for considering, you know, what was going on with Jerry and how much he meant to the to Red Sox Nation, to Red Sox fans, I think most people had a decent idea that might be the last time they see him. I don't know if if they really felt that in the moment because of how much excitement there is going into a wild card game against the Yankees, but I'm just thankful that moment happened. I'm thankful that we got that, uh, you know, and that that Fenway was like it was that night because got to say, I mean, and and correct me if I'm wrong, that's one of the loudest Fenway nights like ever, like in the well, history of the park. Me, if someone asked me for until proven otherwise, what's the best crowd Fenway crowd you've ever seen? I'll say that night. Yeah, it was, I think it was a confluence of of the wild card game, the importance of game, basically a game seven, 
um, you know, the crowd being what it was demographic wise and, and also the Yankees. I mean, then you sprinkle in as many Yankees people who were, who were there. Um, and, you know, you say about how all the first pitches in the playoffs after that, you know, I'm glad you said that. And this isn't knock on any of the people who threw out first pitches, but I can, I can remember thinking that I'm like, that was, it was, it was Remy and then everybody else, not yeah. even close. And, yeah, and I get yeah, but like you mentioned, it, nothing to, nothing bad towards them no. at all. And, and these are people that have significant histories with the Red Sox, had, played huge moments on World Series teams, and it just felt different. Like whoever they announced to come out, it's like, oh well, it's not you know Remy coming out to throw a ball to Eck. So I don't know. I I just think it's really hard, and and you would know this too. You've been around you know this fan base for a long time. It's really hard to actually matter in uh boston fans like day-to-days like it, it's hard to really make an impact and have people genuinely care about you and jerry remy is the face of all that like he is i was trying to think of people that matter more to red sox nation than remy and i i couldn't come up with anybody like in terms of over the years it's just the impact not he had was so vast not for no. that long and 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 really it's it's because, you know, you would immediately say, well, okay, Ak. But Ak hasn't been doing it as long as Remy. I mean, Remy no. was doing it since 1988. It's ridiculous. That's He's crazy. been calling games my whole life. It's That's nuts. And, but that's why I get back to that point of how, how impressive it is that he was able to have that big an impact as just a broadcaster, not even as a player. And I know he's a solid player. It's not like he's a Hall of Famer. Oh, but man. Let me tell you, drag bunts. Oh, <laughs> I'm telling you, he's the best, the best of the game best at it. No one shifted <laughs> on him. We even talked about that earlier in the season, the live VP show. But like, guys just don't do that anymore. No, that's, that's it was, it was, I can tell you, I can tell you as I wrote this, is that I'm thinking about, oh man, you know, I couldn't hit home runs. I was a little kid. And so I would try to do what Remy did, which is this drag bunt, which you have to be super skilled at. And, mm. you know, so when you drag a bunt, so the idea, my idea of dragging bunt is basically like running down the first baseline with a bat out here and the pitch not even hitting the catcher's mitt because that's how it looked to me. <laughs> yeah. But Remy was, he was so good at it. He was so good at it. Like that he could do it anywhere. He could do it to first base, to second base, whatever. Yeah. And, and he was such a key part of that, like what the, t- such an important team at the time, the 78 team. So, um, and then you, you realize, oh my goodness. He was with the Angels. He gets drafted by the Angels. He's with the Angels, and he gets traded to the team, his hometown team, which is such a cool thing every time that happens. So It is. It is. One thing I did want to mention with uh, Orsillo specifically is that when he, he, had, he had talked to Rochi, um, I believe yesterday, after, after hearing the news, and Don said he knew for a week or so that this might happen. But he also said he thought Jerry was just going to beat it, and I fully agree with him. Like Jerry has beat cancer so many times that you almost thought that there's just no way that he's going to lose that battle. And it, it really shows a lot and says a lot about Remy that he got through so many trials. And, and that's, I mean, I can only imagine how terrible that is and doing that time and time and time again. So I think it was seven. I think it was seven. I mean, that is insane. So what he had to go through in that in that whole trial and the whole process of trying to beat cancer cannot imagine how how insane that was and how hard that was and to don's point i i agree with him i i thought 
well, Jerry's just going to beat this because that's what he always does. And then he'll be back in the booth and it's going to be, you know, Buenos Noches, Amigos, and and we're off again. And that that's just kind of what it always felt like. So that's what was probably different these last few months is that you weren't getting these positive updates and you kind of figured that, you know, maybe, just maybe he might actually... He might actually not win this battle, but I, I genuinely thought he was gonna. I, I didn't. I didn't think that that this was gonna take him. But, um, but yeah, a, a full life lived, and it, it's so impressive he was able to matter that much to that many Red Sox fans because he did. Mm. He, he made such a huge impact, and I think he. I genuinely think he struggled with this, and I can't emphasize enough. I did not know Jerry Remy personally. I think. I think some of the posts recently, you think people are like best friends with him. He intentionally didn't have best friends. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't want that. Um, but it's, it's a specific thing when you do something you love and then you're appreciated for it and you almost feel uncomfortable about it because you're just doing it because you love it. And I think that's what Jerry did. He was so in love with calling the games and having fun at Fenway park and just going home. And that was his job. So I think when he got praised for it, he was like, I'm just doing my job. I'm not, this shouldn't deserve any extra praise in anything anyone else is doing. So I re- always respected that about Jerry. Um, the broadcast is going to be different to the Red Sox. They, they've already handled it very well. And, and I'm sure they'll, they'll either have a patch next year on the Jersey or, you know, who knows, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to feel different. It's going to feel different next year with the broadcast. That's for sure. You know, in closing, I just say this along the lines of what you're talking about. I'm happy, you know, so this happened, the news came out, you know, middle of the morning Sunday, right? So everyone has a lot of reaction and remembrances. So now what's going to happen Monday? Well, Monday, it almost like amps up because people, I think, Steve, are like remembering another thing and another thing. And there's another way to look at Jerry in this and that. And obviously, you know, I think it's a testimony to him that we had – the national broadcast of a football game, acknowledge him, the world series broadcast, acknowledge him. And, you know, that is, it it says a lot about him and I'm not going to go through a list of people who passed away, who maybe didn't have that sustainability when it came to reaction after they, they passed. But this one last, whatever it is, a couple days that shows you what we're dealing with and what we have been dealing with which is great. And like you said, there'll probably be a patch and there'll be t-shirts and there'll be remembrances, I think heading into the 2022 season, this isn't going to be like, you're going to get to June and people are saying, why is that patch on their uniform? You know, not at all. No, no. Yeah. All right, man. All right. Good one. Good stuff. And um, so uh, if I just want to make note of this, if people want to subscribe to this podcast, they can do so now. They can, it's, yeah, it's actually its own feed, which is nuts, huh? Its own feed. Uh, it's it's the uh, the podcast formerly known as the Bradfoe Show, sort of in terms of feeds. <laughs> but if those who have subscribed to the Bradfoe Show, it carries over to Live BP, which uh, I'm thrilled about because we want to keep the conversation going throughout the off season. I know you're working on a ton of good stuff for Odyssey, um, and uh, and you know, listen, I mean, it's football season, football season. And but we want to keep this conversation going, whether it's here on the air or whatever. So no, absolutely, and, and I'm I'm glad we got to do this. I mean, it's you know, Remy, Remy, just like you mentioned, he he was he just mattered to this this level that's just hard to reach. It, it really is hard to have the impact that he had, and I'm excited for what the Red Sox are going to do because they 
they'll they'll honor him in the right way and it'll be all of next season as it should be um and you know like i mentioned the Sox broadcast isn't going to be the same but i'm glad that that we can share these viral clips and and get some laughs in at, at all the cool and you know funny moments that Jerry had on air because they're endless. There's ones that are popping up that I forgot even happened. Oh, and so it's, good. Getting to it's relive good. that is, is pretty awesome. So I'm glad we, uh, glad we got to talk about it and obviously condolences and uh, you know, with his family and, and his loved ones. And, um, but this is, this is, it's kind of like a time of, you know, it's a sad time, but it's a time of celebration of what he, what he meant to the, the fan base. A lot of laughs today. Thanks to Jerry, you know, Absolutely. a lot of sadness, a lot of laughs, but in, in closing, Steve, Buenas noches, amigos. Buenas noches, amigos.